You're listening to the Go Adventure Mom podcast, episode nine. This episode is brought to you by Catalyst. I don't know about you, but my kids always steal my iPhone and they continually drop it. It is banged up and it's always been an issue with the screen cracking until I found Catalyst's case. You can submerge your phone up to 33 feet in the water, which is great if you're going fishing and your phone slips out. And it's got 360 degree total protection. It is shatterproof up to like six and a half feet. So super awesome, great heavy duty case that is dirt and sandproof, has really great acoustics still, super easy to install and remove and it's also snowproof. So check it out, Catalyst Case. Welcome to the Go Adventure Mom podcast, where having kids only adds to the adventure. Get outdoors, see the world, live a full life. Go Adventure Mom. For families who refuse to be indoorsy people. Now, let's go adventure with Kathy Dalton. Hello, this is Kathy Dalton. Today we are chatting with Dr. Julie Hanks. She is a multi-talented singer, songwriter, author, and psychotherapist. Julie just launched her book, The Assertiveness Guide for Women. And we're talking how we can become more assertive. You want to stay tuned to the end because she's got a great freebie for everybody that's listening. You can find the show notes at goadventuremom.com forward slash podcast, and this is episode nine. And we'll also have links to her book and to other resources that she talks about. Welcome, Julie, to the Go Adventure Mom podcast. We are so thrilled to have you today. Thank you so much, Kathy. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, where do I start? Let's see. No, um, (laughs) I'm a therapist. And I own Wasatch Family Therapy Clinics in Utah. My educational background, I have a master's in social work and a PhD in marriage and family therapy. So I have done therapy for a long time, specializing in working with women and couples and families. And so I love anything that has to do with talking to moms or women. I'm, I'm all about that. So I'm, I'm really thrilled to be here. Awesome. And how can we connect with you through social media? So I'm at Dr. Julie Hanks, Dr. Julie Hanks, on most social media platforms. And so that's the best way. So I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest. I love interacting with followers and answering questions. And also my website is drjuliehanks.com. So we're going to get into a really great topic in just a minute. But before we do that, let's let's talk a little bit about your favorite place to go and adventure. Mm, I have two. Can I can I do two? Is that okay? <laughs> oh, of course. Yes, please. Okay. So one is the beach. I love to adventure at the beach. <laughs> I love the water. I love sand. I love sunshine rocks. I love the animal. I just, anyway, so I love the beach. It reminds me of my childhood too. I grew up in Southern California and spent a lot of time at the beach. And then the second place I love to go adventure is internally in my heart and mind and in other people's heart and mind, which probably isn't surprising given that I'm a therapist, but I really see that as the ultimate adventure is getting to know what's inside of of people. I love that. So today we're talking about your book, The Assertiveness Guide, and I'm so grateful that I have found this book because it's definitely something that I struggle with personally, as I think you found that there are many women that do. In starting to read, I started taking notes to prepare for 
our interview today, and I had about five pages of notes, and I thought, oh man, we could probably talk about this for hours and hours. <laughs> it's it's really powerful. Thank you. And it really is taking, you know, the way that we think about things, and, and maybe I'll get into this a little bit more, but how we create these patterns, or we have this template, and why we are the way we are is really because of things that happened to us in our childhood. Mm-hmm. And I think it's been just kind of interesting to reflect on that for the past couple of days and, and to just kind of ponder on that and how how much of the way that we respond to certain situations or we, we deal to stress really have that foundation way back when when we were kids. So tell us some of the highlights from from the book and um, some of the helpful aspects of it. Yeah, first, let me define assertiveness, because I think that's really important. There are a lot of misconceptions about assertiveness, that it's aggressive, that it's bossy, that it's telling people what to do. And it's really not. It's real. It's it's a way of communicating that's confident, clear and self-assured. And it doesn't infringe on the rights of others. And I think that's really important because aggression infringes on other people's rights. That's not assertiveness. Yelling at people, you know, that infringes on their, on their rights. And so it's the ability to articulate what you think, feel, want, and need in a way that helps you express difference, like how you're different, but while also maintaining connection with others. So we'll get into more kind of what that looks like, what that means, I'm sure. But I just want to define it first because there are a lot of misconceptions about it. And I, and I had that misconception, too, because in my mind, it was a very um, aggressive kind of feeling. But, but the more that I read and think of assertiveness, it's, it's really being able to communicate your feelings and the things that are your wishes in a way that is respectful. And I, I think that's really powerful. So... Julie, what led you to write a book about assertiveness? Well, we often think about assertiveness as what we say. So standing up for yourself or standing up for others. But what I found in my clinical practice was that I needed to help women back up a few steps because they didn't even know, a lot of them didn't know what they think, felt, wanted, or needed in the first place. So they couldn't be assertive because they didn't know what they needed to assert. <laughs> no, I, I, I can relate to that. Like, I don't know the questions or the things to say because I, I don't know that it, you know, I don't even know what the question is. <laughs> right, right. And so in the book, I back up a few steps. And in fact, self-expression is number four of the five steps, actually saying the words. So there are three steps before saying the words or doing the action that's assertive that has to do with knowing yourself, knowing your patterns, knowing your emotions. So you can set up a situation where you can be heard or it's more likely that you can be heard. So that's what inspired the book is, you know, I really, I'm passionate about helping women find their voices. And I, I realized that a lot of them, they didn't even know what their voice sounded like. And so that's why I kind of, it's a more in, encompassing framework for assertiveness. So it's not just what you say, it's kind of where you've come from and how that impacts what you think, feel, want, and need, and then how to how to express that. Well, and I love that you've done a, a lot of research and you found some really great things, but you've also practiced this and you've seen this firsthand 
with with the clients that you have. So tell us a little bit more about your research in assertiveness and what you learned. Mm-hmm. Well, I have through my experience, developed five parts of assertiveness. And I kind of mentioned one of those, but let me just go through those quickly because I think that gives an, a nice overview of what's in the book and what those, those skills are. So the first part is self-reflection and that's reflecting on your past. Like you mentioned, your early relationships create a template for how you're going to relate with others for the rest of your life. And you can change that, but you have to be aware of it in order to to make changes. So that's self-reflection. The second is self-awareness, and that is what is going on right now. So what am I thinking, feeling, wanting, and needing in this moment? And then the third is self-soothing, and that has to do with being able to manage your emotions in a way that allows you to communicate effectively. So often, we think we're being assertive, but we're we're yelling, we're we're flooded with anger, we're you know overcome with sadness, whatever it is. So how do you manage those emotions? And for some people, it's how do you connect with your emotions so so your words have a little you know strength behind them. So that's number three, self soothing. Number four is self expression. That's actually saying or doing the assertive thing, whatever it is that you need to communicate. And then number five is self-expansion. And that is the willingness to be changed by your relationships, to grow, to develop compassion. So those are the five parts that I talk about in the book. So you can see it's pretty comprehensive. It's not just say this, do this. Well, and it's it's that awareness and, and recognizing the patterns that we we have. While I was on my walk this morning, I was thinking about the self-soothing side of it, because, you know, as a parent in the steps of what is it? Baby development. I can't remember at six months, babies learn how to Mm self-soothe. They find their finger, they suck on their thumb or they rub their ear or they twirl their hair, but they're able to calm themselves down. And I think for me, that was like a really eye-opening thing to think, well, of course we would still need to find ways to self-soothe and recognize my own, you know, bad habit of um, eating my emotions and definitely in stressful situations, <laughs> you know, it's, you know, hand me the chocolate and the Diet Coke and not really feeling what the emotion is that I'm feeling, but just that like, this is like stressful and I just need food to like handle that. So I, I think that's a really powerful thing to think about. So I'm excited to continue reading your book to learn how to do all those steps. Well, yeah, and we want healthy self-soothing, right? Right, I mean, there are ways to self-soothe or to, it's really avoiding, right? If you're using something else to avoid your feelings, that's different than, than being able to psychologically calm yourself down. I think there was an example in the book and it talked about how, um, there was this girl who'd been studying for the bar and she was really tired and it was late at night and the neighbor had the TV on and as she went, she got more and more angry and all the conversations she was going to have with herself. But then it gives this example of how she is able to solve her own problem in a very calm way, comes to a solution. Yeah. Yeah. That self-talk, she calmed herself down and was able to say, Hey, it you know, I'm studying, this is a situation I need to go to bed or I'm studying and could you turn that down? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, so, it, and it's also that example 
is a good example of assuming positive intent, like assuming, you know, recognizing that it's very unlikely that people are out to get you to, you know, occasionally that happens, but that's rare. (laughs) And that people usually are just doing their thing and they're just not aware. And so when you let them know what you think, feel, want, and need, they respond more often than not. So let's talk about some of the most common barriers to assertiveness for women. And what are some ways that they can kind of work through those? They're the number one barrier, I think, is the most important to talk about. And that is fear of hurting the relationship. Of If I'm assertive, if I really share what's going on for me and ask for what I want and need, I'm somehow going to damage the relationship. And you work through that by practicing assertiveness and seeing that that is actually the path to intimacy. It strengthens your relationships. It doesn't hurt your relationships. So aggression will, or passive aggressiveness will, but assertiveness will actually create more intimacy in your relationships. And the only way to work through that is to practice it and see what happens. So one thing that you kind of touched on is kind of this gender socialization where girls are really raised to be the peacemakers and they want everybody to be happy. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times in my own day to day, I'm just like, I just want everybody to be happy. And a lot of the time it's at our own expense. And right. <laughs> it's, I think, hard to learn to articulate, like, these are the things that, you know, I, I am wishing or I'm hoping to have happen. And I, I, you know, I think a lot of the times I picture sort of situations with work, but you also mention, you know, it's, it's as a parent, it's working with your kids and communicating with your kids at church, even at the kindergarten drop-off when you're dealing with people, you know, and, and trying to resolve issues and, and like you said, finding that voice. Right, right. It's really about finding your authentic voice. And women are socialized to feel responsible for relationships, to feel responsible for other people's emotions. And that's really a cool thing about being a woman is being taught to do that. But there's, if it's not balanced with self-care and self-awareness, it can just swallow you up. Because people are always going to feel what they're going to feel. Not everybody's going to be happy. And you, you're not really in control of every relationship. I mean, there's another person in those relationships too. So kind of letting go of feeling responsible and letting yourself have a voice is really important. Let's, let's talk about your attachment style. So attachment style I talk about throughout the book, but really lay the groundwork in, in that self-reflection. So there are basically three styles in how parents and infants and children interact. And that creates these attachment styles. So there's a secure attachment, there's an anxious attachment, and avoidant attachment. And so they're not good or bad. They're just a secure is more effective. But it, this isn't about say, oh, you, you know, you didn't develop right and there's no hope. No, it's just this is kind of where you lean toward and this is going to impact your relationships. So in an anxious style, they are fearful, more fearful of being alone or of being left or being left out. 
they usually want to be closer to other people than other people want to be to them. So they kind of may feel smothering if you're in a relationship with them. On the other end of the continuum is avoidant. And those people tend to want to have more alone time than people in relationships with them do. So they kind of downplay emotions. You know, I'm fine. You know, I can handle things on my own. Those type of personalities. So, and then in the middle is secure where you can be close to people and you can be by yourself and you're okay. You can calm yourself down. You you like your own company. You assume that people are going to be there for you. You're able to manage your emotions in, in healthy ways. And so those are the three different styles and they impact our ability to be assertiveness. And you can probably guess how the anxious, right? An anxious style going to get overwhelmed with emotion really easily and have a hard time tuning into their own like what do I think feel want to need and then how do I express that because emotions are overwhelming on the other end the person who's avoidant they're not even going to know like what they're feeling they're going to just like I'm fine they're going to avoid difficult situations or high emotion situations and so they're not going to be assertive because they're fine. There's nothing to be assertive about because they're disconnected from their emotional life. And then those kind of play into the three different communication styles, right? Mm-hmm. So in the book, I talk about the doormat, the sword, and the lantern as approaches to communication. And the doormat is the passive approach where you just let everybody have what they want. You don't take a stand. You get walked over like a doormat. The sword is the aggressive stance. So think of someone holding a sword ready to fight. And you've probably talked with people who, who are in the sword stance where it's like anything you say, you're going to get clobbered. You know? The sword can also be passive aggressive. So it's, I, I like to think of it, it's a doormat with a sword underneath. Finally, they get sick of it and they bring out the sword and they're like, ha! <laughs> or, or it's those little digs, the little tiny swords where where it's passive aggressive communication or, Oh, sorry, I forgot to do that for you when they're upset with you, but they don't say I'm really upset with you. They just forget to do what you asked them to do. So that's a sword as well. And then the lantern is the metaphor I love to use for assertive communication. I love lanterns. I love light. I have a collection of lanterns here in my office. And I think of assertive communication as standing with your feet shoulder width apart holding up a lantern and illuminating an area around you. So you are kind of, you're illuminating and you invite other people to step into the light of the lantern. And so you're able to say, this is what I see. This is what's going on for me. This is what I think, feel, want, and need. What's it like for you? Because everybody has a different perspective. And so this is also part of the self-expansion, being changed by other people, by developing compassion and empathy. And so the the lantern is the the goal for your communication style. I love that. I love the visual of a lantern and and of the light and bringing those people into that light in a very you know a safe, secure setting. I, I think that's really powerful. Thank you. So you know we've kind of learned about attachment styles and some of these communication styles. Help us to understand why it's important to practice assertiveness in how we communicate. Well, we mentioned a little bit about it earlier is that women are socialized 
to be polite, nice, not make, not rock the boat. And so little girls are punished for being assertive sometimes or anything that is a show of strength or personal power. And so it's important to practice to overcome some of that, the negative impacts of socialization so that you don't always have to be nice. You don't always have to give in. You don't, you know, you don't have to be the one that's always compromising. And so I think that's really important. Another thing that's important, I think, especially with motherhood is that our image of ideal motherhood often includes this overly self-sacrificing image. Like she gave everything for her children. She, she never, you know, like this kind of, she has no self and that makes a good mother. And it actually doesn't. It's martyr. It's a martyr. The motherhood martyr. Yeah. And so that, of course, being a a parent, being a mother requires self-sacrifice, but it doesn't require self-sacrificing every single part of yourself and everything you want and all your dreams. I mean, that needs to be balanced with self-care and these five skills that we've talked about. Because really, the least effective mothers are the ones that have a weak sense of self. They can't stand up, set boundaries with their kids. They're indulgent with their kids. They're teaching their children how to grow up and then become self-sacrificing adults that have no life and no backbone. And so who wants that for their kids? You know, I don't. I don't think we ever talk about motherhood as, as in that sense, but it, it definitely is different than what I think, you know, we, we play as, as little girls, but it, it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of hard work. And I think of anything, I'd love for my kids to see, yeah, my mom can stand up for herself and in turn, they can stand up for themselves. Exactly. And and also to see like, oh, moms have fun, moms have friends, moms have jobs or interests or hobbies or, you know, moms are people and they need support too. They're not just there to meet every need of mine. And that's really good for kids to understand mutuality. You know, my I require my kids to support me. Like, hey, I have this, you know, I have to finish this article. You make dinner, you wipe, start wiping down the kitchen, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, it's like, it's okay to ask for support from your kids. I like that, to ask for support. And, and to also celebrate the successes with you, right? Like you have a book launch or... They're so excited. Like they think it's so cool. Like my, I have a 14-year-old son. And when my book came out, he's like, Mom, will you, can I have one? Will, will you sign it? I'm like, it's the assertiveness oh. guide for women, right? You know that, right? He's like, oh, it's just so cool. And he has it up in his bookshelf, you know, this pink book. Oh, no way. I love it. Oh, I love it. And, That's so and cool. And so they see me as a person with interests and talents and accomplishments and that I can support them in creating that for themselves. And I, I just, it makes me really happy that they can see me that way because it was really, that was something thing that was important to me as a mom to model how to be a happy fulfilled adult julie shares three tips to be assertive and how to make an assertive statement when we return we love to camp together as a family and we know as you probably do too that a huge part of camping is dependent on if the kids get sleep or not thermarest 
has just come out with some tents that are awesome. They have a six-man tent that we've been using, and they also have their great sleeping pads and pillows. This is guaranteed to get a good night's sleep because we all know if the kids get good rest, that means mom gets good rest. And if mom's happy, everybody's happy. So check out thermarest.com. We love them. We're back on the Go Adventure Mom podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Julie Hanks. She's teaching us how to be more assertive. When you are approaching someone and having a difficult conversation or an emotional conversation, it's really important to seek permission. Like, hey, are you in a place where I could talk to you about uh, our meeting last week? Asking, are are you in a place where we could talk about this? But just going up to somebody when they're in the middle of another project at work and launching into some really hard thing is not going to be a setup for success. So these are ways, you know, seeking permission is a way you can set up your, your conversation that will more likely be heard. Keeping it private is important. It's generally better to have conversations that are away from other people to avoid embarrassment, to avoid looking like you're being passive aggressive or whatever, especially in a work setting, you want to keep it private. The exception with that is I think it's really good to model in front of kids sometimes like how to resolve conflict in an assertive way. So I think that that would be the exception. It's really good for kids to see parents do that because that's where they learn how to resolve differences, how to have difficult dialogues. So they need to see that occasionally. They don't need to be involved in every single difficult conversation. <laughs> that's for sure. But, but occasionally, I think that's good. And then uh, another way to set up more for success in these com- difficult conversations, I call it put down your crystal ball. Stop assuming that it's always going to go the way it's been or the way you see it in your mind. So, so often it's like, well, they're not going to listen to me. They didn't listen to me last time. So why should, and so you're actually like reading the future and predicting their response and then making it less likely that you'll have a successful conversation and more likely that you'll approach them in a way where you get the same response that you always have gotten. So to assume it's going to go well, to envision things going well can can help set up these difficult conversations for success. Can you teach us how to make an assertive statement? Yes, I have a favorite. It's like a fill in the blank and it's so easy and I still use it when I get like, oh, I need to communicate, but what do I need to say and what am I thinking? And so it is I feel blank and that is your feeling when you blank That's the other person's specific behavior because I think blank and that's your thought. So let me give an example. I feel sad when you come home and turn on the TV because I think I'm not important to you. So it just clarifies that. And then to make a request, this is my favorite it would mean a lot to me if blank. So it would mean a lot to me if you would come home and we could talk for five minutes before you turn on the game. I, I really like that. I think I read something similar a few years back. And even on the, it would mean a lot to me, they would 
like rate it on a scale of one to 10. Like, oh, cool. This is a number eight. Like, this means a number eight to me on this scale. So, like, my kids know, like, this is really important to mom. Or, like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like a one or two. It's really not a biggie, but it kind of helps for them to see, like, this is something that really means a lot to mom, and this is something she really wants to do. Right. So I love that. I like that, too. That's a great idea. Well, Julie, it's been so great to have you. Thank you so much for your knowledge and for sharing with us. Thank you, Kathy. Oh, you're so welcome. And you have a free chapter of your book available. Can you tell our listeners where they can find that? Yeah, assertivenessguide.com. You can download a free book chapter and get more information on the book. And the full title is The Assertiveness Guide for Women, How to Communicate Your Needs, Set Healthy Boundaries, and Transform Your Relationships. So kind of a long title there, but I think it summarizes what the book's about. So assertivenessguide.com for a free chapter. Thank you so much. And I think you've got two bits of advice you want to wrap up with. Yes, I just want to remind moms, you matter in your life. What you want matters. And to to always remember that. And then the second is knowing yourself and being able to communicate effectively is the key to healthy, intimate relationships. And I mean intimate in a broad sense, like close relationships with your kids. The more you know yourself and you can communicate in an assertive way, the healthier your relationship with your kids are going to be. So those are my two kind of final parting words. (laughs) That's great. No, I I love that. I, I think we covered a lot of really good information. And I think... You know, even just to be aware of assertiveness and to, to think of, you know, our day-to-day and the, and the situations that arise and am I a doormat? Am I the sword? How can I be more like the lantern? You got it. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. Please leave us an iTunes review or a Stitcher review. Your review helps to get other parents outdoors and we want to get the word out there. See you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Go Adventure Mom podcast. For more family adventure, visit GoAdventureMom.com. Plus, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends.